I used to just think that I was only valid if I made teams, broke records. You know, I thought I was going to get my Australian record last year. Mm. I just have managed to do a 360 these last six months and realise um, that's not success. Success is working towards a goal, enjoying doing it, and um, when it's not going smoothly, finding a way to still do what you love and, and find happiness mm. in every step. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Hello and welcome back. Or if it's your first time today, welcome to What's Right Within. Today we have a first, which is our first return guest. Yes. Genevieve Gregson is joining us and I'm really excited to have this conversation today and what a great first return guest. So Alzi, how are you feeling about it? I'm so excited. So excited. Um, I wanted to get it back the moment that we said goodbye the last time. I know it's just such a good opportunity to catch up and learn so much from someone who I admire and um, love. And yeah. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hi, I'm happy to be here and I feel flattered that I'm the first return. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you for agreeing. And um, you've obviously just announced your big, big news, um, which is that you are having your first baby yeah and congratulations again thank you it's very exciting we're having a little baby boy due in June so um yeah we're currently in our new house right now that is furnitureless so if it's (laughs) echoing that's why um but it gives us plenty of time to prepare for what is around the corner great we're gonna delve into a little bit of that um in a moment but I want to take a step back. And last time we had you on the podcast, we talked a lot about, um, we had so much feedback, by the way, about our first podcast around people being so encouraged about your attitude towards um, injury and setbacks and challenges um, and, you know, just getting back on the horse and just getting through it and taking it, you know, like finding joy in the process. So many people wrote to us about that. And I know I should screenshot you some of the messages we got about that first podcast, but anyway, cut forward to obviously Tokyo Olympics, 3000 meter final, um, you rupture your Achilles and, I mean, I, one of the things that I remember most, well, like firstly about that moment was when you were standing on the starting line, Bruce McAvaney said, she's a warrior, our Jen. <laughs> like this is moments before you go on to, you know, I guess have, you know, a, a serious injury and then following that, you know, cut forward to now, how long has it been? Uh, just like five and a half, nearly six yeah. months. I don't think that there's a moment that you haven't been um, throwing yourself into <laughs> the comeback, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so she's a warrior, our Jen. It was almost like a prophecy from yeah. Bruce McAvaney, who we all know and love as an Aussie commentator. And, um, yeah, take us back to, to Tokyo and, and then the, you know, the weeks and months after. Yeah, I mean, I can remember it. So I still can't believe it's been that long since it happened. Um, it felt like 2021 actually did last a lifetime because uh, we only just entered the new year and I thought the Olympics felt like it was more towards the end of the year. But, yeah, standing on that line, um, the crazy thing about it and and the thing that Ryan and I could appreciate most just about me and my mentality was I was up against it. Um, you know, the context looking back at it now was I had hurt my Achilles a month out from Tokyo and it's the Achilles that I've had issues with since 
2016. You know, when I, I was on the podcast last, we talked about, you know, getting through 2019. It was the biggest challenge of my life where I was so close to quitting, but, you know, I, I got back on track through all that cross training. Um, I ended up, yeah, just probably doing one race too many. It was a great race in Monaco, but it, it definitely twinged something and um, really flared my foot up to a point where if I was in a normal season, I would have been able to settle it down and, and yeah, just take a few weeks to rest it, cross train, and it would have just been a little hiccup. But um, as I'm sure you know, Eloise, the Olympics, uh, it's, it's the big dance. It's, yeah. it's not something you skip or take for granted or even jeopardise, you know, your best foot forward. So I, um, I did take a week off in St. Moritz and, and pool ran for a week and like a mad woman. Everyone, I, I remember all the Swiss people there trying to talk to me and, German or Italian or whatever <laughs> language they were speaking because I just looked so strange. This is little girl jumping in a pool and thrashing around for an hour and a half every day. But, um, you know, at that, that was easy. That was, I got the Olympics. It's what's one week. Um, but at, at the end of the day, when, by the time I got to the village, I mean, the amount of people that pulled me aside and said, Oh, are you okay? I was just limping like crazy. Mm. Um, you know, and all the, I spent every day in the medical room, um, discussing options. We talked cortisone, we, we talked local anesthetic just so I couldn't feel it. Um, actually it's quite comical one of the doctors said look we, we can cortisone your left achilles but you know that that jeopardizes your achilles tendon you could rupture it and that's career ending and i was like yeah we won't do that that's silly <laughs> ruptured my other one which was perfectly fine um so getting through that heat i mean i've rewatched it a few times not too many because you know it, it's heart-wrenching but my my first round I'm running awkwardly it's 35 degrees and to scrape through into that final um, what's amazing is my mentality, um, and same as Ryan was, I did it, you know, I'm amazing. I got through what a relief. I'll be fine now. That was the hard part. Mm. Um, but really a sane person that knows me and knows where I was at, um, coming into the Olympics would say, you're treading on eggshells. You're not right. You barely got through when you know you're capable of easily making that final, like reassess, but, um, you just give me, yeah headspace is is so powerful when mm. you know you have a goal and you know what you want and I I did know what I wanted I knew that I was capable of being in the top eight in the world and that's all that I cared about and it was once I had that spot in the final I thought you know I'm going to be just fine now um you know I won't feel my Achilles I'll, I'll run like I've run all year and I'll um secure that goal I've had in mind for the last four or five years um but Looking back at the final footage, I was running on one foot. I was definitely playing it safe. I was sitting at the back and avoiding commotion. And there was a lot of commotion in that final. Um, and I really only made my dart for home at the bell. And I think that's why I managed to get to the last barrier before my right Achilles snapped because I'd been babying it so much. And it wasn't until I really went to, to make my last move, especially on that last water jump where... Um, yeah, I think fate happened. It was just not meant to be for me that day. And as soon as I landed in, in the pit, the craziest thing about all of this was I knew as soon as it snapped, like the gunshot went off, I lay there and I didn't even need a millisecond to comprehend what had happened. I just mm. in my head said, my Achilles mm. is gone. Mm. And the only thing that shocked me was that it was my right. I mm. think when I reached around and like, did the L sign to my face and was like, okay, left's this side. That's, <laughs> that's right. I'm like, my right Achilles, my one loyal, like reliable foot has gone on me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think the most, uh, the hardest part to look back at is those few, well, it felt like minutes, but it actually, you know, it wasn't that long that I lay in that pit was the thought process. And it's hard to really explain exactly what I thought over those, those minute, that minute or those, those two minutes that I was lying there. But one of the first ones was um, Brian, because I knew he was commentating um, from London. He would have been up. It would have been about 3 a.m. in the morning. He was commentating with SEN um, and he was watching the live footage that Bruce and Tamsin were commentating. And as soon as he, I knew that as soon as he didn't see me cross that line, he would assume Achilles, bad water jump you know, probably rupture. So after that, it was more just typical me, like what, what next? And I had Paul Blackman, who's the 
athletics Australia doctor meet me under the stadium immediately. He was there, you know, within five minutes of me being wheeled under the um, stadium. And I remember crying a lot, but it wasn't to do with pain at all. I was in no pain. It actually severs all nerve nerve endings when you rupture a tendon. I was crying because I knew this, this, injury cycle will start again now, you know, mm. and I had to then start thinking, okay, pull out the manual, pull out Jenny's comeback plan. Like, here yes. we go. It's all, this is a long one, but you know, I also thought in that moment, I'm not ending my career at the Olympic games in a final with a rupture. Like I'll, I'm ha- I'll happily end in a year or two if it doesn't work out on this comeback, but it's not ending here. Mm. So I was more crying at the thought, that I have a really, really long road ahead and it sucks, Mm. but I'm going to grieve it now, but I know I'm going to do it. Mm. And um, as soon as I saw Paul, he laughed at me because I said, Paul, um, I've ruptured my Achilles. You haven't checked it yet, but I already know. What do we do? Like, do I get surgery here now or do we go home? And do I have to quarantine before surgery? And he's like, Jen, just hold on a minute. Let's just check your foot out. We'll make a plan. There's plenty of things to do before that point in time. But my mind was just, you know, going a million miles per hour because I was just frustrated and shocked at the same time that that's, you know, what happened. Mm. And I knew it was going to be a long road and I wanted to start that road in this Olympic stadium on a medical bed. Um, I feel like that's who you are, though. That's that's what makes you you, you know. Yeah. as soon as you come up against it, you, you already start planning mm-hmm. how, what, what best next step you're going to take. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what makes you who you are and the athlete that you are as well. Yeah. And I, I also think it's a, um, you know, it's a managing system in my head. You know, some people have different ways to manage disappointment and heartache. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the way I am wired, the way I manage something so shocking in the world of sport is, is just start writing down what happens now. Start writing in your notes section on your phone where you're going from here. And it just, it makes the kind of wheels start turning and um, I'm really bad at feeling like I'm wasting time. You know, I don't like a day going by where it's like, you know, I didn't get something done today. And it was the same with this second surgery that I was meant to get a week earlier than I got it done. And due mm. to COVID and, and positive tests popping up in the hospital, I was pushed a week. And I just said to Ryan, I, I struggle in these situations because this is a week gone. You know, this is another week back. And, um, you know, in the scheme of things, it's not that bad. I'm pregnant and I'm having a baby. A week is nothing. But, um, you know, I do deal with things by making a plan straight away. And even though that plan will change a hundred times because yeah. I'm, I'm making it when I'm scattered, it's still a way of, of dealing with um, upset and, yeah. and frustration. Allowing, allowing you some sense of control, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. But, but in saying that, like, there was a grieving period and, mm. and, and I know you guys want to touch on that. Um, I think the hard part was going straight, flying. Well, I spent two days in Tokyo in my room, not leaving because well, I couldn't walk. And um, I, I honestly, I wasn't mentally up for seeing people I I said this on the actual the channel seven interview but I hadn't even spoken to my family I just Mm. you know people call and they want to talk and that's so lovely and in any situation I would normally answer those those phone calls but I think I didn't know what I was feeling yet and I didn't want the, the, the you know the call from your mum that's like are you okay darling it's like no I'm not like I just I didn't want that because I had I had that with Ryan already. I had, mm. um, you know, I had the negative talk to him and he's the one that gets it. He's probably the only one in the world that will hear the doubts and the mm. negativity in the initial stages where it's like, you know, am I done? Is this it? This is pretty bad. Um, but then luckily Ryan and I, like I said, we, we are a great team because he is no bullshit, no fluff and bubbles. He's just like, cry grieve let's do that now because this is so sad you know he he can cry too but um he kind of just said if you want to quit of course I'm I'm here with you I'll I'll look after you where everything's going to be fine but Mm. I think you're not done and Mm. I know you know you're not done so let's let's make a plan and, and that's what we started to do yeah 
Um, there was a moment there where I'm pretty sure you said, um, really early on anyway, you said, I'm not okay, but I will be. Yeah. And that yeah. like struck me, um, like that hit me so hard because yeah. I think that captures so much of a really healthy response to yeah. when things actually aren't okay or yeah. unexpected you know like traumas happen and yeah I'm like, hey, can you just touch on um what was behind that statement yeah. and tell us what that was like for you I mean I got some like amazing feedback after the channel 7 interview for the same reason you just said but the thing is I knew that part of a part of our um code of conduct code of conduct and like athlete handbook is you know we have a, a contract with channel seven and after your uh performance you're meant to go to the media room and, and do an interview and in no way did I feel obliged to speak to anyone like I knew that if if I didn't feel up to it I I wouldn't have but um athletics Australia contacted me and they just said you know we're grieving with you for you um channel seven want to chat is this something that you think you could do and that was two days after it was actually the Friday. I, you know, ruptured on the Wednesday night. That was the Friday, maybe morning. I just said, look, I think I can talk. Um, I don't know how it will go. I'm obviously really sad, but yeah, I'm happy to talk. But when I got in front of that camera, lucky I had a mask on. It helped protect my ugly cry. Um, <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was blindsided just by the one question. And it was, you know, Jen, we all saw you you know, we're grieving for you. How are you? And that one question that, how are you? It's like, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm not doing well, but um, it's all, I didn't want to lie and be like, yeah, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll move on. We'll make a plan. Like the honest truth was I'm not okay. Like this has been the worst two days currently in my career to date. Mm. Um, but you know, like I, I will make a plan and, and it will get better. And I know it's not the end of the world, but for an athlete right now, it feels like that. So mm. it was, um, yeah, it's, it's all I could say. It was like all I could say. Yeah. And I think I was just kind of overwhelmed by what I was processing it all still. And like I said, I processed it for the next few weeks um, as much as I like to put my hard hat on and say, yep, plan, let's move forward. Like all through quarantine, I did a few more podcasts, maybe with like Brad Beer and um, one other oh, um, inside running podcast, but I broke down in both of them. And I, I said I would do those interviews because I thought I was ready. But every time I started to do an interview, I realized, well, I'm not ready. And I would cry. But yeah. um, then again, I think that helped me. The more I spoke about it, like mm. it still is sad, but like Elwi said, I mean, I've been rehabbing for nearly six months now and um, if I can still manage to find a little bit of um, excitement in what I'm doing, it means I still want to be here and I still want to do this sport and I haven't lost that spark yet. So that's pretty amazing to me to, to suffer these, these injuries and, and have these two surgeries and for some odd reasons still be excited about this comeback. So mm. well, what what how do you make sense of that? Like what is it in you that you think means that you can be both, you know, feeling terrible, you know, not okay, yeah. but also have this other part of you that's like, I'm excited yeah. about this comeback. I can, you know, it'll get better. I, I think it's easy for me. I, and so many runners, this might resonate with them. It's, it's running. I love it. Like I, I love it at any level. You know, I was before my last surgery, I was running the most pathetic 11 and a half K of my life. I felt like I had a watermelon in front of me and I actually fell over one day on the beach because oh. I lost the center of gravity and just face planted. But it's something about, and actually I'll even say exercise. That's why the cross training doesn't kill me. Um, of course, it's hard. I get in a bad mood knowing that straight after this podcast, I have a two-hour bike ride. But I'm choosing to do that that bike ride. Like no one's saying, Genevieve, you're scheduled today for your two-hour bike ride. I'm riding the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I just, I love it and I miss it when I can't do it. And this injury, along with every other injury, but especially this one because I was sidelined for so much 
longer than normal, it, I crave it by the time I'm given the all clear. And um, it's not something I have to force in my head, like, oh, get ready, Genevieve. You know, it's nearly the time where you're healthy enough to do exercise, prepare yourself. I'm counting down the days. I'm, I'm writing notes in my phone every day and, and exercise and, and running especially makes me happy. And that's why I say I'm going to try and make a comeback and I'm going to try to do marathons. I'm going to try the elite. Um, but if I fail, it's not failure to me because I want to do it. I want to run. I want to exercise. If you take that away from me, yes, then I'll need a new grieving process because I don't know how you make a plan when you're not heading towards something that you love. And I don't, you might've seen it, Eloise, but Cara Goucher did a post yesterday that was heartbreaking. She's having um, some issues. She was just out for a run and she's having um, nerve issues. Like her body is losing balance and she's falling over when she's out running. And it's, it, I read it, it's a really long post. And if you haven't seen it, you should go see it, but it's heartbreaking. Like running looks like it's slowly being taken away from her just mm. due to her health and, Although this, yes, my health has been jeopardised by rupturing my Achilles, I still have the chance to go out there and do some form of exercise, whether I get back to being elite or not. I'm still being given the chance to do it. And, um, you know, that to me is a blessing. You know, there, there are so many worse situations. So finding motivation is, is the last thing that I find hard in my situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. I resonate with so much of that. I actually said to Johnny and Rory this week, um, I'm actually never going to officially retire. How do we all, how do we all feel about that? Yeah. I will Um, never. I said that to my mum and she was really upset because she wants me to just keep popping out children so she can be a grandma forever. But it's, I, I will never retire. I will be that 80 year old where you can't distinguish whether it's a run or a walk, but that'll be me <laughs> just <Yes>. shuffling. <laughs> 100%. Um, I have something I want to ask about, about that. Um, and that is, you know, I think we've talked on the podcast before, I think even in your last episode, Jen, about just finding joy in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that is so much more important when the process um, changes. So for example, I know a lot of people who, when they can't run, for example, they struggle to find the, how to replace that and get that same sort of feeling because it is their thing, you know, that brings them that joy. And I think what you've been able to do, which is such a great example is broaden that and go, no, exercise running would be like first pick, but I can experience the same type of thing and I can bring the same type of attitude to running in a pool or to sitting on a bike or doing anything and it's actually recognizing that exercise itself is something that you find joy in and that you value and you want to do and you're choosing to do it Um, so I think those two things about like finding joy in you know and in something similar that is actually better suited to you know yeah. what you can do at that time is, is a really powerful thing. But then also affirming that idea that actually you're choosing to do that, even if it's, you know, pool running and it's cold or whatever, it's yeah. like, no one's making you, you're choosing. And if you can connect with the reasons why you're choosing to do that and align your attitude accordingly, um, then yeah. I think, you know, there is joy in the process. No, that's exactly it. And I think maybe I learned that. I can't say that I was like that when I was 20 year old. 20 years old or 22 when I suffered my first, you know, major injury. Um, But I had to find another outlet that brought me, you know, not as much joy, but enough. And I think running, of course, will always be number one. It's so easy. You walk out the door, you get to see scenery, the wind's blowing. Like it's, there's so many lovely things about running that I can understand why people get so addicted to it, but, you know, running, the nature of the sport is it causes injury. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you're in a situation where you're pregnant and you can't run all the time. Like there are so many reasons why you need to find joy in other things. But I think at the end of the day, it's the endorphins that you create from exercise. And even though the process of hopping into a pool to pool run or hopping on a bike and wrapping my head around a really long ride, yes, that's 
can be more draining than putting on running shoes and going out the door. But I still get that same feeling when I hop off the bike or when I hop out of the pool, I honestly have that elated feeling of, you know, I achieved something today. I feel better for sweating. I um, feel healthier. And I think I used to always think that was only running could only fill that void, but it's just moving my body and exercising and feeling healthy. And I think anyone can teach themselves what I've taught myself over the last year. It just, if you don't enjoy cycling now, it doesn't mean you'll never enjoy cycling. Like if running's your thing, it means you love exercise as well. So um, if running is ever taken away from you, you, there is something else out there that will bring you nearly as much joy. Mm. And I've had so many messages from people. Actually, you'd be surprised how many I've had from people that have also ruptured their Achilles. It's scary, but so many people have reached out to me over the last six months um, just asking for advice on what to do now that they're injured or that they've just ruptured their Achilles. And the, I, for me, it's simple. It's find something that is safe but gives you that same feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction. Mm. And for me, that's cross-training. Yeah. Uh, and, and then surrounding yourself with people that make you happy and it's exactly what I've done. I I moved back home. I live in Queensland now, which is, you know, where all my family is. And I've pretty much got a gym set up in my garage of a bike and elliptical and a treadmill. (laughs) You have a woman cave. That's what I have a woman cave. Great. Um, I have a question. Earlier you talked about um, Ryan being the one that hears all of, you know, any negativity um, when you're going through challenges. What sort of things when you're going through challenges like you've been through in the last six months um, are helpful for you to hear, whether it be from Ryan or your family mm-hmm. or close friends or your coach, what, what's helpful for Genevieve when she's on the comeback trail and what does she need to hear to inspire her and to help her to get, get up every day and keep um, persevering? I think two things. Um, I like to hear one from Ryan and they're probably two totally different things. There are as, as strong and, and resilient as I may sound most of the time when I speak and answer these questions, there are always days of doubt. There are the days where I will cry and be like, Oh, this is, I'm not tracking. Well, that run was terrible. My foot hurt. Um, you know, what am I doing? I'm running five minute K's when, you know, once upon a time I could, breeze under four minute k's um you know i did a 5k time trial on a treadmill a few months back and ran like 22 minutes and you know said to ryan i ran 15 minutes once like where am i what am i doing um there are those days and sometimes they come way more frequently than than you expect and it could even just be you're having a bad day so you decide to be doubtful of of your comeback Um, And I think also being a professional athlete, I have them a lot with an injury like this one because there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of research saying that Achilles ruptures, um, you know, you don't come back from. There's actually not much saying you do come back from, but I find those ones and um, Ryan reads them to me about Kobe Bryant and, um, you know, other people that have rehabbed their way back to being as good as ever. So I think... Firstly, with an injury, um, you need to have the positive reinforcement that there are bad days where you're going to feel crappy and not hit the the marks where you think you're meant to be. But the person just needs to remind you, okay, you did just run a 22-minute 5K. Yes, that's a long way off your PB. But remember when you got your Achilles stitched together and you were learning how to walk? Like there's... (laughs) There's, you know, there's context. Look at where you've come from. Put it in perspective. Write it out. Um, even week to week, there's improvement for anyone. But it can be really hard to see when you're in it. And mm-hmm. sometimes you choose not to see the improvement. Like I was choosing to just see that 22 minutes was a slow um, progression for me. But really looking back, it's like, wow, if you had told me when I was sitting in hotel quarantine with my foot wrapped up in a cast that by December, you'd run a 22 minute 5k, I would have laughed and thought there's no way, you know, that Mm. doesn't happen. So you need someone that reminds you how far you've come and, and um, the little gains you've made because they're really easy to forget. 
And I would say just the one other thing that um, is helpful for a, a support person is to just remind you like what you're doing. Like, oh, I would go to the QAS and come back honestly five hours later. I'd come back and, and Ryan would be like, oh, what, what have you done today? And he's like, oh, I said, oh, I've, I um, jumped in the pool. I did an hour pool running. Um, and then I went and did some rehab, saw the physio. Then I did my gym set. And then I actually just did 90 minutes on the bike while I was there because it was seemed like the right thing to do. And, you know, then I've come home at one o'clock after being there at seven or eight. And he would just now and then treat me to a dinner and be like, you need to just take a minute to just you're being superwoman right now and I'm so proud of you and you're training so hard and you deserve everything. But um, remember to go easy on yourself because like I was just, I'm like a bull at a gate. I'm like, Hey, tomorrow I'm doing this. And then you run out of steam and, and you can run out of motivation. You can burn out. Um, and that's maybe when the doubt creeps in and you have those bad days, you need someone to pull you back every now and then and say, you're amazing. You're doing great. Let's have a day off. Like, mm-hmm. let's go out to dinner. Let's um, do something nice for you. Go away for the weekend. Don't bike, don't swim, don't cross train just for this weekend. And I think that's been a savior for me. And Ryan's done that a lot, probably more than I would normally ever. I think I said to you, Eloise, when we were at the cafe the other day, I said, for the first time in this comeback, it's okay to go away and not train for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then I come back refreshed and go harder than ever. Um, I've really tried to see this more as a long haul and um, a few days here and there to skip away to Noosa or um, just be with family and, and sleep in, um, I think is is so valuable when, you know, you've got a long road ahead of you of, of hours of cross training. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's so important to have that time of refreshment as well so that you can put in the quality when you when you come back. Exactly. Um, I love my day off a week. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice, isn't it? I mean, it allows me to do some housework. Yeah, um, but, I bet. No, but seriously, it's it's important to have that, you know, to give yourself that time, however that looks for you, to mm-hmm. um to just take a step back at least and 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 appreciate what you've done and physically allow your body to absorb the work yeah. that you've done. Yeah. As well, rather than continuing to thrash it out. And I've often heard it said and I've often said it myself that it for athletes like us who obviously have a high level of ambition it often takes more discipline to yep. step back and take a day off or a couple of days off yeah um, than it does to just plow on yeah um, that's exactly right like I've been on a bike many a time especially in recent times where I've, I always wear a heart rate monitor to just check how I'm traveling and how hard I'm working. And there's been times where my heart rate is so low. It's, you know, like I'm out for a slow walk, <laughs> but I'm like thrashing, like trying to get it, trying to get it up, trying to get it up. And then realizing what you're doing Genevieve, is silly. You're obviously tired. Your heart rate's not working for a reason. That's usually a, a strong indicator that you're tired, you know, not chronically fatigued, but your body is physically exhausted and your heart rate is saying, I'm not going up high no matter how hard you try there's been so many times on this comeback where, yeah, after 20 minutes, I've just topped off. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? It's just stop. And like Eloise said, that's not easy. That's mm-hmm. like, I've come to the gym to do a ride and here I am hopping off at 20 minutes. Like, what are you doing? But <laughs> it, it, I, it has to happen. I need to step back and realize that this is now detrimental for your mental health and for your physical health. And, yeah. um, you know, you deserve to go home, have a rest, have a shower and just relax and, we'll see how many days it takes. And when you feel refreshed, you'll come back. And I do, I come back, my heart rate goes straight up and I get an amazing session in, you know, for however long. So it's just so important to um, not be a robot and have Mm. feeling and um, awareness of what your body is saying to you. Totally. And finding that sweet balance between the ambitiousness but also allowing some logic to settle in around the work that you've done and how you're actually feeling and listening to your body and Mm -hmm. and going, oh, well, I didn't expect to feel like this today, but okay, I'm willing and flexible enough to change plans because this is going to allow me in three days' time to do a really quality workout and just looking ahead like that. Yeah, you need a sounding board for that too, like is – Uh, for the same reason you said it's hard for us to know when that point is and you do need someone to just bounce off and and Ryan does it with with me like right now he's in a hard training block the the season's around the corner and we've just 
moved a whole house and I'm in a boot and crutches. So I was, you can imagine how much help. Um, and he, you know, go down, he went down to the track and had a terrible session, like comes back, you know, contemplating retirement. <laughs> he just, you know, was really down on himself. Yeah. And I'm the one that has to sit there and say, Ryan, firstly, it's 100% humidity. It's 35 degrees. You've moved a whole like household worth. Um, give yourself a break. Take a few days. And he did. Like he took a few days and bounced back totally fine. Did a session Saturday morning. Felt great. It's you need someone now and then to get you out of your own head and say you're being silly. You're not actually taking in all the variables around you right now. Um, yeah. Relax. You're fine. Yeah. Totally. And I think so much of what you've just been talking about comes back to how we define success. You know, in our last episode, we talked about um, defining success and how maybe the traditional way of like achieve, achieving an outcome being the definition of success maybe isn't, isn't the best way because it can become rigid and it can delay, you know, joy. Um, and so I'm really curious um, how you're defining success right now because I feel like I can hear it as an undertone and what you're talking yeah. about but yeah what is success to you at the moment I mean yeah it's a good time to ask me because success for me right now isn't performance based I mean it's anything but performance um, for me it's it's knowing my learning about my body more and more and knowing when the right time to train is versus not training I mean I'm now pregnant and have someone else to worry about and so being a bullet a gate isn't the answer and um I think over the last six months I've learned so much about um like I guess myself but I've always been like the hard nut cross trainer and I'm proud of that but this road was you know I'm gonna cry right now but so difficult and I'm so proud, really, really proud of what I've done. Mm. And it's the first time in my life I feel I was really challenged more than ever before. And I love being the comeback queen and I love being the tough nut. But this time um, I learned so much more and, and Ryan and I cry about it often. He just says, you're so intrinsically motivated. It's it's so impressive. And I don't do it for money or fame. I do it because I genuinely am so passionate about exercise and running in my life. And I'm so blessed. Mm. But um, success is not not uh, medallions and, and PBs and, and teams. It's um, being mentally strong when you're facing adversity and being inspiring even when you're injured. Mm. Um, the people that have reached out have made me realise there's another cause uh, for me, at least for the next year before I can be back on the roads. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm so grateful that I have the ability to have one more chance at, at a career that um, I've set my sights on for so long. And I do think I'll be like Eloise. I think I'll have a few kids under my arm and, and still running on the roads and still mm. achieving things. But, you know, for me, that isn't success. And mm. success is just doing what I love and being strong in a time of, of darkness. And I just hope that people realise you don't have to be breaking records and be, you know, the reason, um, I don't know, just... I used to just think that I was only valid if I made teams, broke records. You know, I thought I was going to get my Australian record last year. Mm. I just have managed to do a 360 these last six months and realise um, that's not success. Success is working towards a goal, enjoying doing it, and um, when it's not going smoothly, finding a way to still do what you love and, and find happiness mm. in every step. Yeah. Well, that's um. There's. You better talk. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Well, like, thanks for going there, and mm -hmm. you know, I can feel it. You know, and what you're saying, um, just the truth that ring it rings, uh, rings so true. What you're saying, um, and you know, I'm 
we're also proud of you for how you've gone about it. Um, but I want to know what are you most proud of in yourself? You know, like what, what have you learned about yourself and what are you most proud of um, and who you are now? I think, yeah, I think Ryan kind of made me realize I just, I think my asset in life, and I don't know if I had it from day one, maybe my parents said I did because they said I'm always just determined in anything I do, but I think I'm proud of never being, um, you know, knocked for six. Like I find a way I get taken off track and um you know I I do have my doubts and I do face adversity but it doesn't stop me in my tracks I'm always looking for an alternative route to get to where I'm going and um I'm proud that I'm not fragile and I'm not um you know lost in a time of darkness I find a way Mm. and it's something that I hope I can teach my kids because life never goes to plan. Uh, Dreams are always shattered. Um, And even though I feel like I've been so lucky with opportunity, my whole life I've been very fortunate and in no way do I think I've been given a hard path. But I do make uh, opportunity for myself and there's never an easy option that I'm looking for. I'm willing to work for whatever it is that I want. Um, and Ryan has just said that he thinks, you know, I'm, I'm hardworking and even just over the last six months, he just says, you don't, he thinks I've actually been given more energy than the average person, but that's probably just because he's a bit sloth like, but he, um, he just says that, you know, I, I run our day to day. I, I have energy. I, I love to just move forward, even on the boring, tedious jobs, Um, And he's really opened my eyes to see that um, even when, you know, my number one thing running is taken away, I I find other ways to aspire in life. And um, I think that's important for everyone to have because things are going to be taken away from you. There are times where you'll put all your effort and, and time and love and passion into one thing and it can be taken away. And you've just, if you can have the ability to adapt in situations and and find a way to move forward or refocus or create new goals like you'll never be stopped you Mm. just there's there's always somewhere to go and um there's so many people can get derailed in life by certain events or things that happen but if you can be a problem solver and and look for the next thing um your journey just never ends it Mm. just starts taking different paths and and that's not a bad thing because for me, this path led to being pregnant and, and hopefully having a beautiful, healthy boy, like who could have told me that a year ago. Yes. Um, it's a silver lining. about that. <laughs> yeah. um, you, when you announced that the, you're pregnant recently, you yeah. on Instagram, you said, all my life, this is all I've ever wanted. Oh my yeah. gosh. I was a complete wreck. <laughs> um, what... What are you looking forward to most about being a mum? Got everything. Like I, it's funny because the people that know me, um, when they read that caption, they're like, that's exactly it. That's all you've ever wanted. And I mean, it sounds crazy as a professional athlete, but I don't remember a time when I didn't talk about wanting to be a mother. Um, I think it's ingrained in me. I, I, I love caring for people and, I mean, I love animals. (laughs) I just, I've been so excited about being a mother. And I think the hardest thing I've faced, obviously, other than injury, was trying to work out a time where I could be a mother. And um, I think in the world we live in, it's really hard for women, uh, whether they're just in the professional world, in the corporate world, or, you know, or an athlete, when is the right time to have kids, especially if that's the way you make money? Um, you know, it's a really big operation to decide to start a family. And it's something that's really weighed on me for so long because I know that I do have a clock and I can't finish my running career and then start having a family. So in a way, this opened a door for me. Um, As soon as I, I ruptured my Achilles, 
it's all I wanted was a baby and you know that was the thing that I really turned to as well um you know I'm obviously still going to return to the sport and and do what amazing mothers have done in the past but um it is a hard thing for women to decide okay now's the time to put all my career on hold to stop you know in some situations stop my income from coming in because I I want a family and I am in a, a good position where I have uh you know, a stable situation. I have Ryan, I have a great family. Like I, you know, having a baby now was perfect, but um, it has definitely weighed on me for years. You know, when is the right time? Mm. And I've said that to you, Eloise, like I've always wanted to have a baby and I want to have more than one. And that's going to be another scheduling issue. My mom thinks I'm crazy. I have a note section of my phone of the years I want to have babies. She's like, you're so weird. <laughs> I've but- seen your note section. In your phone. It's a note for every, everything, every aspect of life. Is a I could sell my note section. It is freakish. But um, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's all I've ever wanted and it's a silver lining for a year last year that didn't go to plan. But as I said, it's a new path. It's not the path that I had planned a year ago, but I think it's a better path than I could have planned. Mm. Um, can you just help us understand too, because I've obviously, um, you know, in this conversation, we've got two of Australia's great female athletes who, you know, both navigating or have navigated that space of, you know, your career and also, you know, having a family and like what, it just seems to me like it's so harsh that, you know, you have like, that you're not supported necessarily in the way that I think maybe could be um, to, be able to take the time required, you know, physically and emotionally to, um, you know, get pregnant, have a baby and, and sort of, but still have, have a career. Like I feel like the trade-off between the trade-off that is almost forced upon female athletes to go, Oh, is this worth, you know, risking my career? Like it shouldn't be a question. It should just be all right. Like, yeah, um, this is part of life and I'm going to be supported. Like, yeah help us understand that landscape it's just it's it is surprising that in this area there is so far to go um I mean in 2022 you would think that it wouldn't be a problem but it's it's a huge problem and I'm only facing it now for the first time Eloise has faced it since 2012 um it's scary as a especially as an athlete to face the unknown of I'm pregnant right now a lot's about to change. My whole world is about to be different. You know, will I be able to provide for my family since this is my job? Um, And I've never had to face it before and I still probably haven't faced the brunt of it. Um, But coming into this year, yeah, the the reason why I took so long to announce my pregnancy, not so long, but, you know, I was further along than some people announce, um, was because I wanted to reach out to sponsors and just say, this is my situation. I don't know what that means, but, um, you know, this is what's happening and I won't be performing at an elite level for quite some time until my body's ready to return. And I have all intention of returning and being as good as ever, but um, it is all unknown and and we're going to be putting those, those performances on hold for a while. So there's still a lot for me to face and I don't know how it will unravel, but I do think that it's really sad that women have these, these situations. Um, I'm in a good situation. Um, We started our online running company for this reason as well. You know, we didn't want to rely on sponsors only as, as a form of income because I mean, as Eloise knows, sponsorship contracts aren't that long anyway. They don't lock you in for, a few years of planning, um, a lot of them can just be very brief. And so we wanted a form of income that allowed us to to work hard at that and and have enough, um, you know, security to feel that bringing a baby into the world is is smart and it's the right time. Um, But I think we need to definitely find a little more stability and structure for women that want to start a family because it's not 
I mean, it's a choice, but it's a necessity. Um, you know, that's it's an important part of, of the world is raising a family. I mean, we were all raised by a family, by yeah. a mother. So, you know, yeah. we, it needs to be brought to head and, and women need to be supported so that there isn't even a question. There's no yeah. doubt. There's no scary um, period where it's like, is, is this smart? Should I be doing this? It should just be a given. You're just, mm. you looked after. Yeah. Totally. And I think the, I mean, yeah, as you say, I've, I've, I've had a, I've had a lot of time to reflect on, on, on this issue in particular, but I think, yeah, as you say, it's, it's, it's complex enough um, just being a female athlete and deciding yeah. when is the right time. Yeah. And, and not only when is the right time, is it going to happen for me when yeah. I want it to happen? Yeah. Because in a lot of cases it, it can't or it doesn't and it's a long process and a long journey and, you know, potentially there's just so many unknowns. Yeah. So the, the extra stress of, oh, my gosh, you know, what are my sponsors going to think? What is my federation going to think? Am I going to be still supported? Are they going to believe me when I say I'm I'm going to be doing my best to come back to yeah. my pre, you know, um, pre-pregnancy um, level of performance. Um, yeah, there's so. I, I guess my view is is that I mean we have we have the conversation is um, there's been a lot of awareness around it um, thanks yeah. to some of our American, especially American female distance runners, yeah. um, raising their voices. I just think there needs to be action now in um, in equity in terms of allowing female athletes to go and start a family yeah. and still be feel like they're supported at the same time financially and also um, you know emotionally and you know people just um, I guess for for sponsors for me I mean Revy's we weren't even pregnant with Sunny yet. And I let Revy's know that, hey, we like it's our desire to have another baby. And this is the plan for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be able to race, um, but I'm, it means I'm going to be home a lot more and I'm going to be yeah. able to do a whole lot more promotion and things. So if, if companies can actually think outside the box, the, the, like if they're, if the only, um, way they think they can use you is if you're running well it's just so backward and so yeah. limited yeah. Um, in my mind um but it was amazing like I was able to connect with you know our Revy's team the Revy's families um and the founders so much more when you know I was pregnant with Sunny because I was home and I was able to do a lot more promo stuff for them and um they just thought outside the box in terms of yeah. marketing and how they could use me and at different events and things like that so Shout out to Revy's for, yeah. <laughs> for thinking outside the box. And, well, like, um, but I just wish a lot, many more companies um, would think in this way and yeah. get on board with the future. Because essentially, since I've had Indy, they've been my best years. Like yeah. I have never run faster since I've had kids. Exactly. And I'm praying I, for that's that saying strength. something. But, yeah. you know, like if you know our sport enough, um, and you're in tune with what's happening, you know that this this can actually be an advantage. And it's yeah. not necessarily a physical advantage. It's actually, and what you were talking about before, Jen, it's, it's you get to this place as an athlete and a mom at the same time where you have a little bit more perspective. Um, you still have the drive there to be your yeah. own person, but you also want to show your kids. Yeah. Um, and you, you alluded to it before, you want to show your kids and teach your kids through um, trying at something yourself yeah. and, and going after something yourself. And um, all those things are so, you know, they resonate with um, with people that buy things yeah. and the people that buy yeah. the brands um, that we are representing. And so, yeah, thinking outside the box and not sort of seeing a pregnant female athlete as a charity case that you have to <laughs> yeah. continue to support just because so that you don't get cancelled. It's not like yeah. that. But it's it's also like more realistic. I mean, I'm no marketing guru, but the target audience of women having babies and wanting to stay healthy is quite large. Um, you know, most, a lot of women do it. 
Um, and it's realistic. Like, yes, we're elite athletes. We're at the absolute top pinnacle of our sport. Um, there's a target audience for that too. And I, I totally understand that. And that's what a lot of the sponsors are jumping on board for. But when it comes to marketing, we're also showing the other side of, of our life that we are human, that we're not robots, that yes, I can be, you know, very low body fat, ripped, muscly runner uh, at the Olympics, but I can also be a caring, loving, breastfeeding or mothering human that actually comes to a normal size or bigger <laughs> like I've already put on about 12 kilos but right. you know like there's another side and I can take you through that journey of being way more normal and relatable yeah um because it's all new for me too like I haven't ever experienced anything I'm experiencing right now um mentally and physically mm. and um I'm more than happy to share that journey and mm. I, I think sponsors should embrace the other half of, of a, a, not just an athlete, but a woman, a female athlete that's trying to start a family. I think it's so interesting. Oh, I know that over the last 10 years, any time an athlete that I follow or look up to has a child, I follow them so closely because I'm so intrigued how they're doing it, how they're balancing it, how does their body change? Um, you know, what are they finding hard versus what, you know, seems to come naturally to them. It's so intriguing. And yeah, that might just be a target audience for women similar to me, but it's, it's, uh, you know, a great way to market your company if you're supporting someone going through that. Yeah. Well, they're the ones buying the $200 tights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That holds your coffee. watermelon in place. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Definitely getting very far outside of my lane. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about the birth. What do you think? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yes. um, no, I think from, from what you're saying, though, it's just so evident, like, can we just all see the human being, mm. you know, yeah. and like recognize that, you know, it's the, whether you're whatever level of athlete you are, like you're human mm. and like, let's, make decisions and yeah. you know recognize you know the value of being human not just you know the transactional yeah. like yeah you represent this exactly mm. um so yeah uh, my hope is definitely to, that it shouldn't even be a question <laughs> it should just yeah. be like because it, otherwise you know as a male like we don't have to think about that no and so yeah sort of there's this um gender bias there that is like oh yeah. you happen to be female and so this happens to be something you have to consider that you know as males we don't and that just doesn't feel right so yeah yeah and I think I think for us at um you know a, a national level or international level you know Eloise has already started um helping make a make something in our contracts as funded athletes with Athletics Australia just because that has never been um, addressed in the past years and there's so many female athletes in Australia on funding right now that have either recently had a baby or are pregnant right now or I'm sure planning on having a baby and I think that's a great place to start um, which you know I'll jump on board with Eloise and and I think Jess Trengrove and and find ways to support at least our national funded athletes and you know that can be a good starting place and from there um, you know, get the chain reaction going of, of how to how to support female athletes right now going through such a massive, massive chapter in their life. Totally. And I think I, I, I do think it is up to the, the federations to begin that process. And I know that with team sports in particular, um, women's cricket Australia, women's netball, I know have a pregnancy policy to support mm -hmm. um, their athletes when they fall pregnant. It's either women's cricket or women's rugby, where if they have they have a baby, once they come back to the team, um, traveling with the baby, there's actually funding for a nanny yeah. to be on the team as well. So I'm smart. Like, imagine imagine Jono was funded all those years that, <laughs> yeah. that he spent on training camps, being you know obviously being the dad, but like yeah. looking after Indy. Um, before you know and not being able to work um because we all wanted to be a family and we all wanted to do that journey together I'm like wow 
I'm like, but that's the way it should be. That's, yeah. the, you know, there should be support and funding for these yeah. women who want to continue, continue their sport and represent their country, um, but also have a family. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it's motivational. Like the fact that I've watched you raise two children and have like some of the best seasons of your life, um, that inspires someone like me to do it too, who will hopefully inspire someone else to do it too. It, the alternative would be don't support them and people drop out of the sport. Like it's oh, really? just, it's not the answer. Um, mm. We should be showing examples of how things are done successfully and with help and support. Totally. Oh, there's so much to unpack there with Rory's rap. But speaking of support, before we go to Rory's rap, here's a message from today's episode sponsor, Earshots. Lock on, stay on, and play on with Earshots wireless earphones. They have you covered for staying motivated and focused while you train. Their patented magnetic ear clip means you can push your limits without being distracted by annoying cords or earbuds that fall out. You can head over to earshots.com and use the code right 10 that's capitals R-I-G-H-T-1-0, for 10% off your purchase. You can also find the discount link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by the Innate app. This is an app that I've been working on for quite some time now, and it's a personalized daily guide that helps you to know yourself better and be yourself well. I'm excited to let you know that it's going to be coming to the App Store any day now. So if you want to optimize your well-being and learn what helps you to bring your best to life, then follow along on Instagram or Facebook. Check out innateapp.com, our website, and you'll be notified the day it drops and is available on the store. Jen, this is going to be a very difficult wrap um, because there's just so much in what you've shared today that I think is a great example um, to all of us. But a couple of things that really stand out is I feel like your response through adversity is the definition of optimism, mm -hmm. but optimism in the sense of it's being really re like realistic about the present. Like I'm not okay right now. That's the yeah. realistic part, Yeah, but I will be, you know, yeah. and that I'll find a way I'll find an alternative path or there's a way that this can work out. Mm -hmm. Let's put all of our energy into that. And I think that is what optimism really is. It's not denying the reality. It's being realistic about it, but then also expecting that the future can be good and then putting all of your attention and energy into making that, you know, a reality or, you know, giving that every chance of happening. And I think seeing how you've responded to such a unprecedented, you know, situation and huge challenge, um, the way you've responded in every way, you know, every moment that you've had to go through the rehab process to, make all those micro choices along the way and embrace the different stages of that and the cross training that you can do and, and learn about yourself and strengthen, um, you know, your relationships and improve life in other areas. I think it's just such a great example of when we practice optimism, you know, we actually bring that mindset of, okay, find the opportunity here find the silver lining here and then let's make it happen. And so yeah. I think that encourages anyone listening who is ex things aren't going to plan for, you know, right now, or things haven't worked out for a long time is that success isn't it working out all the time. Success mm -hmm. is being proud of who you are in the process mm -hmm. of trying to figure it out yeah. and putting your, you know, finding the new path forward that's going to be more purposeful for you or, um, you know, and bringing joy to that, embracing it. And I just think you're such a great example of wholeheartedly embracing the process of wherever you're at and whatever you're, like you're able to turn that adversity into energy that you pour into where you're going next. And mm -hmm. uh, just to see that from a distance and hear you share that today is, um, I think, such great encouragement for anyone Um navigating the inevitable challenges of life and so from us but also I know from everyone listening you know we're cheering you on in those you know in those 
daily moments where you you know things are feeling hard or things are feeling like the road ahead's long like you know everyone's cheering you on as being such a great example of the fact that we can do it if we put our minds to it yeah oh that was a very lovely rap Rory thank you I come on here to just get a pep talk sometimes (laughs) um no and also like I I get I'm not sad when I get upset I'm genuinely like proud of what Mm. I've done and I think people don't I don't think enough people look back and think they're proud of what they've done they look at other people and they're proud of other people and, um, you know, they find inspiration elsewhere. But sometimes if you really look back at when you've faced adversity or got through something that you don't know how you got through, find motivation from yourself and inspiration from yourself and be proud of what you've done because it can be inspiring. And I've inspired myself these last six months because I know that I don't think there'll be many other periods of my life that will be that challenging mentally. Um and I could be wrong, but I also know that if I do face another situation like this, I'm prepared for it and I know mm. how to face it. And, um, yeah, I just think it's about being proud of yourself and, and appreciating what you've had to overcome in the past. And it creates character. I think I'll be a better mother going through mm. the last six months because um, I don't expect it to be easy, the journey. Um, yeah. I'm, willing, I'm willing to have a tough, tough road if it means, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that character point is, um, I think, such a good one that it's, uh, you know, I, I remember I, I researched um, like former Australian cricketers and captains and things like that. And one of the things that came through talking to the really like the older ones who were sort of like in their 70s or 80s and they're looking back, almost everything they talked about was just about the character development. Yeah. No, they didn't yeah. care. Like it wasn't so much like, oh yeah, we won all these games. It was like the game taught me how to yeah. be a good person and the challenges and the the process helped me to become, you know, mm. the person I am. And mm. and I feel like that is the growth of sport and of adversity and of any cha- anything challenging. That yeah. that's where the real gold is. It's like how yeah. it helps us become who we could become. And I think that's why people get addicted to their sport or, you know, we love running so much. It's not necessarily just the movement. It's what it's taught us, um, what we've gathered from being sports people. Um, I don't know what type of person I would be if I never started running at such a young age, but I do know for a fact that I'm a better person now with it. Mm. And um, that's why I want it in my life. It's my constant and it's forever teaching me, you know, new lessons that are better, only bettering me, not, mm. not, not changing me for the worse. Yeah. So good. So good.